Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom-line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Mike Patchen. Mike is the CEO of Mountain Made, a CBD and lifestyle brand out of Colorado, as well as the founder of M. Patchen Limited, a cannabis wholesale firm with over $65 million in product sales. For the last decade, Mike has been working in the cannabis and hemp space, ranging from dispensaries to distribution centers to hemp product lines to creating four patient programs to help Colorado residents better understand cannabis therapy. Mike has led three successful startups and brought 12 products to market in both the hemp and cannabis spaces. Today, we're going to talk about how the hemp and cannabis industry can market themselves within the limited legal options available due to regulations. We'll learn what works from Mike's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some people miss the mark. Mike, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Yeah, Stacy, thank you so much for the great introduction and uh, looking forward to, today, to, to uh, today's conversation. Of course. So, you know, I love starting off our podcast with what got you to here today, right? So you're in an industry that used to be very illegal and it's slowly become something, depending on your state, that is warmly embraced and other states that still don't. But in Colorado, you're in a good place Everyone loves you. Can you share with us kind of what got you to where you're here today, where not only do you have brand lines, but you have a wholesale company and you've had massive success over the years? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. So let's jump right into it. And I think it's important to note, you know, because there's probably so many um, up and coming entrepreneurs out there and folks looking to, you know, maybe branch out and do something of their own. Um, I would agree with you. I've had some pretty good years. Uh, it's important to note, too, I've had some pretty rough years as well. Um, so in the, the realm of entrepreneurship, you know, those bad years or those rough years is really what has gotten me to this point. Um, and I think that's so important to uh, kind of notice, especially in today's realm with, with so much social media and how we can glaze over someone's story and just get to that success. Um, but if we reach way, way back, I think, you know, it's, um, something I've always looked to do. So when I was young, growing up, a, a grandfather of mine had his own construction company, sold that to my uncle. Um, it was always interesting to me, you know, to know that Uncle Vic made his own way and, and his own money, and I always thought that was so cool. Uh, I entered the workforce when I was 15 years old and used to ride my bike down to a local greenhouse, and it was owner-operated as well. Uh, and just saw how much passion he had for his own business. Um, so since I've entered the workforce at 15, I've always kind of made it a point to focus on working for small businesses. So when I, I literally kind of tripped and fell into the canvas space, not only did I see opportunity for small business, but the small industry, um, I've always been a little bit of a wild man. And back in my 20s, I was a bit more wild than I am now in my late 30s. So it was a great fit, you know, that fit for adventure, being kind of wild, crazy, loving the, the, the small business and opportunity to really make it on your own, all kind of 
came together and melded into the who I am uh, today. Well, it's funny that you say that because, of course, when people think of cannabis and even hemp, they think that you have to be wild and crazy and it's the very wild west and, you know, that's sure. changed, though, in the last decade since you've been it, in this whole thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And nowadays it's uh, significantly more normalized. You're seeing different people, different players, different companies get involved. Uh, for those of us that really paved the way, and, and many people way before myself, so, you know, also, too, out of respect of the people who were doing it before, legalization paved the way for someone like myself to start an illegal marketplace 10 years ago. So, you know, thank you to those people who were even more wild uh, than myself and some other people. But, yeah, you know, we had to kind of get in and, and, and pave the way for normalization. So we had legalization, and then we had to pave the way for normalization, you know, 10 years ago from 2010 through probably 14 to 2015, you know, it's pretty common for friends and family to, you know, really coach me and tell me to get a real job and, you know, look down the line and what was I going to do with myself and, you know, this really can't be real. And in my gut as an entrepreneur, I, I knew it was a little bit wild, a little edgy, a little risky, but my gut feeling said stick it out and it will really mature into a long-term career path. And it's still an industry that's maturing. I mean, obviously, yeah. with the fact that it's not uh, legal everywhere, there's regulations in many places, that, that causes a lot of difficulties in trying to figure out how to make a brand and market it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, it's heavily regulated, and, 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 you know, we can be thankful for that on one hand because it, it's kept the, the feds out. You know, in 2010 uh, through 2013, there was less than 3,000 of us employed in the legal medical cannabis space in Colorado, that's not a whole lot of people to keep track of, you know, to round up, to punish, you know, to, to locate. So it was definitely risky because we were signing paperwork to get our licenses and our badges that went directly to the IRS and the FBI. You know, it was tough to even just rent an apartment back then because they, they would Google and look at your social media profiles we were getting our bank account shut down, you know, so it was, it was, it was much, much different. Um, but, but now it's, it's, it's really came around and it's just, it's blossoming into its own, but you know, especially when you look at cannabis versus hemp, cannabis still is slow motion, you know, as far as federalizing and, and state to state people bringing it in. I love that because that allows bigger gaps that need filled and a longer time to get in and find a program that works to fill those gaps. There's a ton of opportunity left in cannabis. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, maybe one person who's listening to this gets some ideas stewing around because there's plenty of opportunity. There's states that are medical and say they won't go wreck. We can talk about that for a little while because it's kind of a joke. There's no difference, but the opportunities are endless and you actually have more time to execute properly than I think a lot of folks allow themselves. Same with CBD and hemp, although it's kind of flooded right now. A lot of people are doing it wrong because they rushed to market rather than really sat back and took the time to learn the industry that they were entering. So and when you're talking about the CBD market, hemp market, you know, the farm bill last year that was passed, that caused a lot of legalization and ability within that sector. That's what has made hemp something that you're now able to see at your grocery store, at CVS, yeah. at 
Walgreens, all these different places. But you're right, it is absolutely flooded. We talked to so many different brands who are interested in, in leveraging you know, pop culture with how can we use music video artists? How can we use TV shows, talk shows? And it's still an area that even though it's legal, it, it's hard to advertise in because the message hasn't actually gotten out there yet that it truly is legal. So you have a lot of your traditional advertising opportunities that won't allow it to happen still quite yet. Yeah, it's gray area legal, right? The farm bill passed, which really reduced the risk to ship CBD nationwide. People came to sort of a handshake agreement that as long as there's less than 0.3% active Delta 9 THC in a product, we'll consider it legal. But, you know, technically CBD is still not classified, right? So the FDA hasn't stepped in and said, is it a drug? Is it a dietary supplement? Is it both? So until that verbiage gets put down in legislation, the banks don't get involved. If the banks aren't involved, large advertising firms won't touch it. So it's gray area legal. It's still kind of maturing. Same with, you know, cannabis. We're protected by the Constitution of Colorado, but that does nothing for us on a federal level. You know, so, you know, bank accounts, loans, marketing, social media are still hands off to a lot of people. Um, But, you know, for hungry entrepreneurs, that's where, you know, the risk brings reward, right? And, And that's why, you know, SEO companies that are stepping up and helping CBD and cannabis companies are doing really well. Packaging companies that have tailored lines towards child-resistant containers for the cannabis space uh, are doing really well. So there's people that are willing to get in in those ancillary senses and take a risk as well because technically they can get flagged too for even being ancillary help in the cannabis hemp space. But, you know, that risk is definitely bringing them a significant amount of reward. Yeah, even with the pay, uh, payroll protection program that the SBA and the federal government put out there, sure. I know that you had to mark if you um, worked at all with cannabis brands. That was something you had yes. to declare on that, and that would actually you know, eliminate your ability to get those federal funds. Um, right. So it is a lot of caution and concern for some companies out there still to work within the space. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of that risk reward. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, a year or two ago, if you would have gotten in and started helping, you know, cannabis companies, you'd be like, all right, I'm making out like a bandit. And then something like, you know, COVID-19 happens and, and you have to apply for the, the, the PPP and all of a sudden that can, you know, create uh, adherence to what you're trying to do. And you go, oh, wow, the risk is real. You know, and those of us that have been doing this for a while understand that real risk you know when you get a letter back from an apartment or a mortgage or a bank loan and they say no because we googled your name and we know what you do you know the risk really sets in um but you know it's 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 just kind of one of those things if, if you really believe in it and you're really passionate about the industries you'll find a way and even large hemp and CBD companies know, you know, traceable amounts of cannabis, you know, THC product in there. They're still, they're on the market. They are legal, but I know that some of them still get flagged with their banks and they're constantly trying to figure out how they can actually get paid by consumers from their online marketing. So it's something that's, sure. it's ongoing. It'll be figured out because yeah. there's money to be had and the government wants to have some of that money. So all of that right. will be figured out. 
Yeah, I mean, everyone wants some of the money. You know, the banks, the government, you know, all the ancillary work. Facebook would love our money, you know. So it's it, it's coming along. Um, you know, for, for me personally, what I've always done is really just block a lot of that out, look at what's available, um, what the goal is, you know, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month with the companies, the brands, and the products I work with, and just kind of push some of the noise away. You know, people love to ask me, like, oh, what do you think about what's going on in New York and Florida? And and if it's not directly affecting my day-to-day or week-to-week, I just push it away. You know, for, for me, it's what myself, my companies, my team members, and my clients do on the day-to-day that will affect the outcome 5, 10, 15 years down the road, you know? So having been in this for the last decade, what are some of the ways that you've been nimble about marketing? How have you gone about, you know, really a grassroots approach to growing your brand and the other brands that you've worked with? What insights could you give to our listeners who are really interested in understanding what not the limitations are in the space, but what the opportunities are within the space? Yeah, I mean, in, in cannabis especially, you know, a, a lot of it is, is grassroots word, word on the street. You know, Colorado is a big state, but it's a small fishbowl. If you have a good product and a good brand, the buzz and the word gets around pretty quickly. So I've always helped brands set up, a, a first of all, a great product, you know, gotten in, helping them make tweaks to their products, created a strong brand message about it and then implemented strong sales and brand ambassador programs. Um, In Colorado, they allow us to do what's called pop-ups. So if we're a brand and and Stacy, you and I start a pre-roll company, you know, Mike and Stacy's pre-roll joints, we're allowed to go on-site at a dispensary and run promotions and have someone from our team there promoting that product to the customers who come into that dispensary. Now, you know, you and I as marketers will say, well, that's a no-brainer. You'd be surprised at how many brands do a really poor job at these pop-ups. Their ambassadors will sit like this with their heads down. They don't speak to anyone. They don't engage. I've gone in and built teams to where you and I's pre-roll company, we send them out in outfits. They go out dressed like a blunt, dressed like a joint, right? There's, they, they, they high-five, they hand out stickers, they, they talk the brand message, they include the buzzwords that make us different. And, you know, I've sent a pre-roll company from 700 units a month to 65,000 a month and in seven and a half months, right? Just by really being active in the field in front of the customers because we don't have access to Facebook. We can't go on to Facebook and say, you know, every tourist from Texas that goes to Colorado yearly market them all through June. You know, we don't we don't have that. So we have to be boots on the ground in the dispensary at these strategic locations in front of the in-state people plus the out-of-state people and in front of the, the butt tenders, which is the retail teams, to promote the product and the brand. And if you do that successfully and you get a really high-octane, high-energy team behind you, it's pretty incredible to watch the rapid growth just from that boots on the ground, you know, I mean, that's stuff that we've all grown up and seen in the grocery stores. Yeah. That's, I, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just doing it better. And really what you're talking about is making sure that, you know, these people who are your event marketers who are there, the store level are truly your brand ambassadors. They're living, they're breathing the culture of the yep. brand, 
they're demonstrating it through their dress, through their actions, how they're interacting with people. Now, do they have, with the retail locations, are, is that a point where they get overwhelmed with so many brands wanting to send out event, you know, activation teams? Or is it something still that not that many brands are doing where there's a big opportunity? Yeah, no, there's plenty of opportunity in it. You know, like I say, I, I, you know, I'll go out and do the first couple of events or train team members and follow up on, you know, that team member and, and how well they did. And it's pretty incredible the percentage, high percentage of the time where a manager from the retail location will say, man, it was great seeing ambassadors show up and actually work, actually do their job, not just sit there on their cell phone. Right. You know, what I tell people is there's dispensaries seeing 100 people an hour. If you don't walk out of that location in three hours and have them dang on near sold out a product, you are not part of this team, right? You're just not in it. And the other thing too, what I tell people is I'm, I've been in this 10 years. I own two small businesses. I do, you know, fairly fine for myself. I still go out and do these events because the incredible connection you can get from that vantage point as just an ambassador interacting with three, four, five hundred customers in three hours is invaluable it's invaluable the reason i am where i am today is i was always i spent five years as boots on the ground and some of the less desirable positions in the industry learning about products people customers effect lingo language all these things that it takes to be successful especially as an entrepreneur start at the what some folks see is the lowest level you, you should be blessed to be a brand ambassador because you have a connection to the consumer, to the consumer. It's incredible. There's, there's, you, you could pay me a thousand dollars an hour and it, it would hail into comparison to the value you get spending three hours of your time in front of 300 customers. Yeah, and you're literally the face of the brand at that point and you're hearing all the positives and the negatives yeah. as well. Yeah. And saying your pitch, you know, hey, did you know our pre-rolls are made with full flour? Oh, man, sweet. You guys aren't putting trim in them? Nope. We do, you know, full flour pre-rolls. Oh, I love that. I didn't even know that was out there. And you say that message 300 times in three hours and you keep a tally on how many people didn't know there was full flour and pre-rolls. And all of a sudden you just grab the golden nugget. And now you can go on Instagram and know how to market even better. Now you can show up on 15 sales calls the next week and speak a direct message that the industry is begging to hear because so you invested the time as a boots on the ground, just an ambassador. And, and, and now you actually know what to market. You're taking the shotgun approach and you're taking a rifle approach. And then even with edibles, it's something that you can demo as long as there's not any cannabis in it. So you're able to do on site. I've seen that happen frequently where someone will have, here's my blueberry, whatever, has no THC, try it, and you try it, and you're like, oh, it actually tastes quite good. Right, it actually tastes good. Now, in Colorado, you cannot on the rec side. On medical, you can, and I know in other states, they do allow the non-medicated tests, and I agree, any of that stuff, just to yeah. immerse someone into the brand, the brand message, the brand lifestyle. I mean, I'm telling you, it's mandatory for the ambassador teams that I help, 
I want to see 99% of the people that walk through that door should get a high five and a sticker. You get 1% to have to go to the bathroom or to have two or three people walk in at the same time or to need a drink of water, whatever those little, but you better just hammer because it's, it's missed opportunity. You know, especially if you can't just reach out and follow back up through traditional marketing methods. So what beyond doing in-store event sampling opportunities and those one-on-ones, yeah. um, what are other options? What are other ways that you're getting brands marketed today? Yeah, you know, Instagram and, and, and Facebook, while they allow you, you know, some limited access, you know, can be really helpful um, co-marketing with dispensaries, you know, because a brand doesn't, you know, a lot of times have as much pull as a dispensary. So when you drop off product, announcing product drops and, and just moving that network around and, and leveraging the power of everyone's social media, the industry has been super helpful. Connecting with the bud tenders, which is like a bartender, except you're selling the cannabis behind um, the, the retail space, you know, connecting with them, getting them swag, um, connecting them with a strong brand message so that they have really fun, powerful words to say when they're interacting with the customer. Um, we do a lot of stuff where every order we have team samples connected to it to immerse them into the product lines. You know, it's just a, a vibe and a frequency, and you just have to keep that momentum going as many pathways as possible. Um, and that, that's a big part of, of Canvas and what we have to do. And when you talked about, you know, co-commercial marketing and you mentioned Instagram, um, do you work a lot with Instagram influencers where you'll have them talking about the brand incorporating or creating content? Are you finding issues there as well with regulations? You know, yeah, we don't a whole lot. Um, at least the brands that, you know, I've helped, again, we're, we're a little limited in cannabis. CBD is a different story because you have people nationwide. But, you know, you take the amount of influencers in Colorado, it used to be a bit bigger thing, um, you know, especially in the female influencer space. You know, it was a big thing for a couple of years to have females take pictures of themselves, you know, smoking either flower or concentrate. Um, and talking about the brand, that's kind of since ran its course, um, and it's not as popular. But, you know, in CBD, Mountain Maid, we have 25 sponsored athletes. We call them the Mountain Maid Mob. You know, and they make a huge impact for our company, and they, they each individually have a large following, but they're also nationwide, right? And they also can be out riding their downhill mountain biker at the CrossFit gym and hold up a bottle of CBD, where in Colorado, if you take a product picture outside and, like, that joint, that pre-roll is lit in a state park, you can get flagged for that. That's illegal. You have to consume your cannabis at home. So the influencers in cannabis, it just kind of depends what program you're looking for. It can be effective, but technically to date, outside of cookies just hitting the Colorado market space, every single celebrity brand out here has failed save two two really all celebrity yeah. brands yeah 311 tanked um jimmy hendrix tanked cheech and chong tanked um the whoopee line tanked miserably it was just really sad cookies is making a strong run they'll probably do really well 
Willie's had a really sad run for a while, and then they finally kind of picked up steam, but they're not a huge market player. But for the most part, celebrity-endorsed brands out here have just done really poorly. Is that because the celebrities themselves are using their name on a product and thinking that it's going to sell? The, whoever's inventing the brand, they're securing the celebrity, and it's, hey, we have your face, and then nothing's being done to support that. Or is it that you know these brands do have the celebrities all in promoting and talking about it and pushing? Or is there just kind of like a, you know, a separation here where yeah. it's just, just face versus co-promotion? I- yeah, you know, even Snoop Dogg, that line did really poorly, too. You know, like, Snoop Dogg smokes weed, and they launched the line of gummies. Okay. So I don't I don't get that. You know, like, why did Jimi Hendrix launch s'mores? Like, where's the connection there? I don't understand that. I think they were just trying to slap a name on a product. Yeah. You see a lot of newbies in the industry get in, and they don't really get it. Yeah. And they're telling themselves they do, and they're not humble enough to actually really sit down and listen to strong advisement. And they pick really poor products, poor packaging. They don't really understand the industry and what's hot. And, you know, they just kind of fumble around and they think they're just going to slap on this A-list name and, and run away with the market. You know, the Marley Brothers did really poorly out here, too. Um, and then you get strong in-state brands that know weed and know the process and know the language and, and really know what to do to create a strong showing in, in, a, in a somewhat saturated market. Yeah. And they, the celebrities have just never out-competed the in-state folk ever, ever. Yeah. That's great to say, and, you know, because I know with both CBD and with uh, the hemp space and cannabis, we're seeing, you know, so many different celebrities actively looking for partnership opportunities because they think it's the coolest next great hot thing easy money coming in but with everything that you're saying you know that might be that it the potential's there but if it's not an authentic fit if it's not organic if it's off-brand it's not actually going to fly yeah i love i mean you and i and through this conversation you're it's great because the word authentic was in my mind to, to to bring out Cannabis has a, a karma and energy to it where if you're not authentic, it's just going to eat you up and spit you out. I've seen so many people lose so much money quickly, and they look back, and you're just like, you were just never really in it to begin with. Like, you just didn't get it. There's nuances to this industry and to this product and, 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 and to the market that if you just don't get it, it just won't come to you and that authenticity puts people off brand and they just don't even see it they just don't even see it yeah you you mentioned you have 25 brand ambassadors for your line of cbd um, product lines so what are you doing to incentivize them you know is it that you're uh, having them you know put the logo and brand in different places? Um, is it that they're doing social media posts for you? Is it that they are recording additional content for you to use and share? How are you leveraging these individuals? Yeah, so a little bit of all of that. I mean, I'll be honest, Mount Made, you know, I started the company in 2013 as a fitness brand, coached group fitness classes up through mid-17 under the brand, um, set it down through some of 17 into 18 to focus you know, energy into other areas. Um, 
regrouped a couple partners and began relaunching it in 18. Uh, this May was one year to market with our products. So we're coming into year two. Um, strategically, we've stayed underfunded. Um, we've yet to take any investment money. And again, we did that strategically because a lot of people will run in, pull a ton of investment money, spend a ton of money on inventory. And a year later, the market and the industry is totally different and they can't pivot. They're already too invested into that. So we've kept it light and nimble. Um, so to date, over the past year, we've offered our mobster team um, entry-level fee reimbursement for our professional athletes to enter competitions. We send a monthly allocation of CBD product. Uh, we send them company swag as we roll out swag. And we ask for, you know, them to begin to build a community to mention us in their feeds and their stories, to wear the, um, you know, branded products when they're out at the gym or at the bike race. And then, you know, coming into year two and solidifying some bigger contracts with some bigger buyers, you know, we're really looking to leverage a lot of what they do and what they have a passion for. So, you know, our, our professional bike riders, we want to wrap their bikes. We want jerseys. We want helmets. You know, our professional volleyball player, we want her decked out in an outfit. Um, you know, we can really go big with vehicle wraps. And, and flags, you know, at races and, and, and really, really enter the market strongly. Um, so right now it's, you know, a bit grassroots, um, but, you know, it's it's been a fairly strong program. It's been fairly effective. And we also did just locate a really incredible SEO company that's nothing but stoked to work with CPD and cannabis. That's awesome. And now, are you yeah. primarily driving your sales online, or are you through retail fronts? Yeah, so we have a mix. Obviously, with the current situation in the country, we focus more online. Mm -hmm. uh, we love to sell online. There's definitely a value to the wholesale space um, is, as well. Um, but, you know, CBD a year ago, it was right in the heart of being too saturated, mm -hmm. right? The same products, the same white-labeled, kind of junky product that consumers had gotten on the CBD hype, but then we're asking themselves if they felt it, if it actually worked. So now we're in this reinventing of the marketplace, and a lot of people that got into capital intensively have fallen out, and there's big gaps in the market right now for good products that work with strong messaging. And that, again, is why we've kind of taken our time test the waters on what people are saying and what works. And now that we're rolling into year two, it's just invest heavily, invest heavily, invest heavily. And when you're going into stores and knocking on doors and trying to open opportunities for new rate retailers, do you find that having your brand ambassadors and saying this, we have a marketing program helps set you apart from your competitors? Is it helping you get shelf space? Yeah, yeah, and I think we do it uniquely and authentically as well. I, there's not a whole lot of CBD companies out there doing it exactly like Mountain Maid is. Um, you know, and again, coming into year two, we'd like to do some co-marketing with them, um, you know, some, some different ideas to collaborate with them uh, and get eyes looking at their space and feet walking through the door. Um, and then again, you know, being able to leverage a budget with some of these athletes, you know, to show up on site 
You know, if we have an athlete in Iowa and we land a client in Iowa, we'd love the athlete to be able to pay the athlete to go, you know, hang out for a couple hours in the store and, and do that cross promotion and bring attention to that athlete, to that mobster to help grow their personal community as well. That's a very important part to us. And so what is additional advice you would have for listeners today who are thinking of or are ready within this space, either cannabis or hemp? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just been all about hustle. You know, fall down seven, stand up eight. It's not an easy space. Um, what I do in wholesaling is, is chaotic, to say the best. You know, I'll land a deal today and it'll fall apart tomorrow, and then I patch it up the next day and we all move on down the road. Um, focus on who you want to become professionally because every single day this industry is going to grind away at you like, like a gem. You know, it's got to tumble around before it shines bright, and that tumbling is okay. You just got to really stick it out and know that a week, a month, a year down the road, you're not going to be the same professional. You'll probably be more polished and a, and a, and a better, uh, you know, industry actor. Um, so there's a ton of opportunity to learn. You just got to stay super humble and know that you're not going to come out of the gate and just crush. There's going to be a massive learning curve, you know, to getting it right. I love that. Uh, metaphor that you're using with being a gem that's polished and you're coming out even, you know, brighter and shinier and more valuable at the end of the yeah. day. I mean, that's something yeah. that can apply to a lot of industries, including Hollywood, by the way. So yeah, <laughs> right up with you on that. Any other insights that you would want to share on ways that you could approach marketing? Or mistakes yeah. not to make. Sure. I think mistakes, you know, is just throwing a bunch of cash into, you know, another person. Um, I've, I've worked with a brand that had, you know, uh, an NFL football player and it just crashed hard. It's just, you know, put that money into, you know, yourself and the company and what you really, really, really stand for and build that authenticity first and then bring outsiders in and have that authenticity and that desire and passion for your company reflect out to them and have them carry that into the market. An outside person will never be as passionate about your project as you are. And it's got to start with you. It has to really come from you, especially if you're the owner-operator, and project outwards. Other people will not make your business. You'll make your business. No, 100% agree. And I think what you're touching on there also is make sure you build your story. Have your story of your brand, why you matter, how you're differentiated, and know it backwards and forwards. And like you suggested, going into the retail center and setting and actually being able to be an ambassador and listen to what people say so that you can continue to fine-tune that story before you start trying to have third parties like influencers or celebrities become that voice because they're not going to be able to share what that story is if you haven't figured it out. Right. Yep. And it'll look fake. It'll look false. It'll look pushed and you'll just get blown, you know, right past someone will blow right past you with, you know, a more authentic brand message or story or both, you know, it's a combination of the two. Absolutely. And I know a lot of the things that we're, we're asked about when we're talking to a TV show or a film or we're talking with a music video or a music artist or celebrity or an influencer, especially within the cannabis or hemp space, is what makes your brand different? And then do you have any 
case studies or medical studies that show proof that it's not that you're just one of these hemp that, you know, products that is white labeled from the same line as 30 other hemp bottles and it's all the same thing. Like what actually is the convincing reason why people should trust in your brand? Sure. And you have to have that prepared. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, that's just so many people just jumped in and went, oh my gosh, I can run down to XYZ company and they'll slap CBD oil in a tincture bottle and I put my label on it. Man, I can't wait to buy my yacht. And man, did it just not work out for a lot of people, you know? So it's, it's get out there and, and put the proof in the pudding. You know, my first five years in the canvas space, I just went to work 80 hours a week and just hustled and observed and took notes. I got stacks of notebooks. I would write down what customers were saying, what brands were saying, what owners were doing, like just collecting data. And it took me five years of observation before I saw the niche in wholesaling that I wanted to get into. And over those five years, I've seen, you know, good brand, bad brand mistakes on just a different layer. And then now I'm applying that to my own brand and my own company. The best way you can get started in, in especially this space is go get the lowest level job you can possibly get, even if it's part time and just start putting in the work Just start learning at a humble level. And you'll be blown away at how much valuable information you can gather so quickly from scrubbing floors in a grow warehouse and talking to the grower for 30 minutes because they appreciate you cleaning their equipment for them. And then five years later, that conversation that you had about genetics allows you to wholesale at record levels because you paid attention and you didn't see it as just a job. You saw it was an opportunity to learn and how many times I've monetized that base level work down the road is, 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 is that, that's a golden nugget. That's it. That's all it is. Well, that's why you've said you opened up a wholesale company. So for people who are interested in getting with involved in this space, you do offer a wholesale company and you said that you have been able to secure over 65 million in sales of the product lines that you're working with. Yeah. So you, yeah. You obviously so know something that you're doing right. I, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> I know a little bit, you know, yeah. And, and this year, you know, I launched um, officially the Empath and LTD business development um, line, you know, so I'm taking on clients for advisement uh, and I'd like to get with more companies and more products and just help them, get the base building blocks right to really soar forward and be successful because I've seen the years I've been part of winning and losing teams. Um, and you know, 10 years of experience is invaluable and I want to help people accelerate growth and get over those learning uh, curves quickly. So mpatchandltd.com um, and looking to get into more of the advisory work uh, this year. Cause I just, I, I love seeing small businesses become successful. And all of that will be available in the show notes on this podcast on our homepage on yeah. our website. So they'll be able to contact you um, or visit your website, as you just mentioned. Um, yeah. And then if they want to learn more about Mountain Made, where do they go? Yeah, Mountain Made, and that's M-A-D-E, like made in the mountains, not like cleaning the mountains. Mountainmade.life. <laughs> uh, Mountainmade.life. Uh, started as a fitness program in two uh, 2013. It's all about the activated lifestyle. So folks that just like chasing down their passions in life, that could be gardening, walking your dog, 
crossfitting, downhill, mountain biking, you know, uh, live coaching. It's for passionate people, the activated lifestyle. We got some great CBD products up there. Uh, they are very authentic. They're unique to us. Uh, we have a whole monster team that will continue to expand in the coming years. Um, and we love building out our community. So if anyone's listening and wants to check us out, we love uh, bringing new people into our community. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today and all of your helpful advice. Yeah. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for everyone's time. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them today. And I look forward to chatting with you on our next podcast.